Starting next week, you'll be able to buy an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation 5, but we've already got the Xbox Series X and Series S in the house. How do they fare? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is longtime gaming veteran and CNET expert, Dan Ackerman. Welcome, Dan. Hello, Roger. So you've had both the Series X and Series S for a little while now. What are your early impressions? You know, the toughest thing to judge about a new game console is how it's going to grow and expand over time. When you first take it out of the box, it's kind of a set hardware configuration that's not going to change for based on previous generations, like six or seven years. But it's all dependent on software updates, on new games, on game developers learning how to take advantage of the hardware. So even though it's the same hardware now as it will be in you know, several years' time, the experience is going to be totally different. So it's almost impossible to really see the future of a game console from day one. And that's especially true of the Xbox Series S and Series X because there's very little next-gen software available, at least as of right now. Yeah, what are some of the, the launch titles? or what, when, you, when you buy one of these things, what can you expect to play on this that can really take full advantage of the new horsepower? There's going to be some, you know, new for holiday games, you know, things like the new Watch Dogs game and the new um, Assassin's Creed game. And they are going to have special uh, Series X and Series S versions of those games that take advantage of the graphic stuff that these consoles can do, like ray tracing. Uh, But these are still games primarily made for the last gen, the PS4 and the Xbox One. So they're not going to be, you know, a totally extraordinary brand new experience. Up until now, most of what I've gotten to play are a handful of previous-gen games that have been optimized and updated for Series X, and that includes Gears of War 5, that includes Forza Horizon 4, and a handful of others where they went back and redid them with all the ray tracing and everything. Uh, But a lot of the new, new stuff is not out, or at least not available in its optimized for X version yet. And then speaking of these, these older games being optimized, how do you compare these games or how do they compare to the experience on the Xbox One? I mean, you talked about ray tracing, but uh, really for someone who's, who's a bit more of a casual gamer who doesn't understand all that jargon, what, did the, what does this ultimately mean for them? I think that if you're one of these people who buys the console on day one or you pre-ordered it, you're doing it to kind of have first guy on the block bragging rights. You understand, especially if you're an experienced gamer, that the really eye-popping stuff is going to take a year or so to really come through the pipeline. That said, uh, you know, these consoles output in 4K natively. Eventually, they claim they'll be able to do some stuff in, in 8K. They do variable refresh rate. They can do up to 120 uh, hertz refresh rate, although your TV probably doesn't support that. Uh, so you'll get some cool, you know, I, I looked at Gears of War and Forza on the old Xbox and on the new Xbox Series X, and it's definitely cooler looking. It's not night and day. It, it's a 15, I, I call it a, a 10 to, you know, let's say it's a 10 to 20% improvement, mostly with cool lighting and reflection stuff. Uh, so if you're a day one person, you're really doing it for bragging rights. And if you couldn't get a pre-order, then, you know, you shouldn't have any FOMO because it's going to be a while before we live in the next gen era. Right. And, and the uh, there is the Xbox Series S as well, which is a little bit less powerful, doesn't have a disc. What can you talk about in terms of the differences in the experience there versus the Series X? I love this concept because a $500 Xbox Series X or a $500 PS5, you know what? That's a lot of money, especially, you know, in 2020, where the entire universe is seemingly collapsing around us. Uh, 
every minute. So I like that there's a version of the new Xbox called the Series S that's $299, still a nice chunk of change, but you do get most of the same features in that. It does all the ray tracing and everything. Uh, it does 4K media, but on the game output, it does a lower resolution. And that's how it gets away with having a less powerful GPU because it's only rendering it up to uh, they call it 1440, uh, which is a little bit better than 1920 by 1080 full HD. Uh, and again, it depends on the game. The games can output at different resolutions. But if you don't have a 4K TV or you have a smaller TV, or frankly, if you sit 10, 15 feet away from your TV, you're not going to notice the difference that much. Uh, I think that the Series S is a fantastic value uh, if you want to get a lot of that next-gen stuff, uh, but you're not overly concerned with having you know native 4K game output, which... You know, again, you're not really going to notice the difference, especially in these current gen games. Now, when you're doing that calculus, though, are, would you end up regretting it if, uh, you know, as the, the next generation games roll out, they take more take advantage of the 4K capabilities? Does the Xbox Series S look like a less attractive prospect at that point? No, that's the question that I had when I was writing about them. I said, for now, I think it's fine. I can't guarantee in the future there won't be a fork where somebody says this feature is only on X and not on S. Um, at least the S has the same core GPU, although it's a less powerful version, so it can do all the same visual trickery and ray tracing and stuff, just not at the same high resolution. Much like when you're on a gaming PC, uh, you know, you, you can set the resolution to 4K and you might lose a lot of frame rate. You set it down to, you know, regular HD, 1920 by 1080, and then you can get all the, uh, you know, cool effects and everything and a great frame rate. And frankly, it looks fine. Got it. In, in terms of, you know, backwards compatibility, Microsoft made a big deal about that. I don't know if you had a chance to test that and, and how far it went back, but how, how does the backwards compatibility work? They claim that almost every Xbox One and Xbox 360 game will work in its backwards compatibility mode and a bunch of even original Xbox games. You know, I went back and tried a few. I actually loaded up Crazy Taxi and made some crazy money driving around. And uh, you know what? Number one, that game kind of holds up. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's blown up on my gigantic screen now in a way that it was not originally intended to. Uh, but some people are much more into backwards compatibility than others. I mean, I like the concept of taking the games I've been playing over the last year and being able to continue them on the new Xbox. I'm personally not that concerned with going back and playing a game from five years ago, 10 years ago. But some people are. And for the most part, if you own the game digitally, uh, uh, you should be able to download it and pick up where you left off. And that's one thing I do love actually about the entire Xbox ecosystem is I think it's because Microsoft has so much experience in cloud stuff and operating systems and you know making Surface laptops and Microsoft Office and everything. The continuity, which is what I call it, uh, in the Xbox platform is fantastic. I can take a game like Gears of War 5 and I can play it on my old Xbox I can play it on the new Xbox. I can play it on my PC through Xbox Game Pass. I can uh, cloud play it through xCloud. I can stream it from the console to an iPad, which I just did. And it just finds my save every time, no trouble at all. That's, that's one thing that I think they do better than the PlayStation platform where cloud saves are a little confusing. Um, I have no trouble jumping into any game that I played on an Xbox and it knows where my save was and it gets it ready and, and I'm right in the same place. Okay. Any other surprises or any other features that folks might be interested in hearing about from your, your impressions, your, your time with the Xbox? 
you know, my biggest, my, my biggest surprise was that number one, the user interface and the basic, you know, the operating system software really is very familiar looking. If you, if you have an Xbox one, then you're going to go, Oh, okay. I, I understand what's going on here. I think it could have used some fine tuning and tweaking and simplification. So that, that didn't really happen here. Uh, the new controller is a little tweak that's got a different kind of D-pad and some different textures on the back and just ever so slight sculptural changes to it, but it's basically the same. Whereas the PlayStation controller is radically reimagined and actually, and actually very good. And the other crazy thing I like to point out to people when they look at the PlayStation 5 versus this, they say, oh, the PS5 is so gigantic, it's so tall. I, I took a tape measure and I did some rough back of the envelope calculations. The Series X, which is a big black, uh, you know, obelisk, and the PS5, which is a big flowing white, you know, 16 inch tall, almost thin. Uh, Volume-wise, they're actually almost the same size. Uh, I, I worked out the, I worked out what the actual volume was. So technically, you could say they're the same size, but you're going to have a much easier time fitting the Series X into your media cabinet. And an even, even easier time with the Series S, which is just a, a great little size and, and has a very nice, very kind of retro modern design to it. I like it a lot. Thanks for your time, Dan. You can check out all of our gaming news on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>